Hello and welcome to Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon, and I'm back with a new episode. I've been feeling a bit depressed recently and just generally not myself. So uh, I took some time out just to recharge my batteries. There's nothing like not feeling very creative and trying to force things. So I've been kind to myself and I'm feeling a lot better now. So today I am going to be talking about our physical reality and what it's made of. I must say at the outset that I, I do have a fairly good grasp on the things I'm going to try and relay to you. But I'm by no means an expert when it comes to physics, quantum physics, reality and all those sort of things. I just read a lot of books about the subject and watch a lot of YouTube videos. So I've got a a basic grasp, but I'm by no means an expert. Also, when I teach or when I relay information, I purposely oversimplify things. So just bear that in mind. My teaching style has always been to convey the basic principles of a complex subject so that my students or listeners are able to picture things in their mind and have a a simple understanding For example, I used to be a first aid teacher and that's how I used to approach my lessons about the human body, human anatomy, which of course can be quite complex if you want it to be. But if you boil it down to the basics, you can get quite a good understanding of how the human body works without over complicating things. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do today uh, regarding physical reality. What is real? What is reality made of? So when we think about the world that we live in, everything seems so solid. The chair that I'm sitting on now, the desk I'm working at, the microphone I'm talking into, everything seems so solid, but is it? Now, the basic idea that matter is granular in nature, that it's made up of smaller, solid building blocks like Lego bricks, was present in many ancient cultures such as Greece and India. The uh, word atom comes from the Greek word atomos, which is a combination of the negative term a and the term for cut, tum. So basically it means uncuttable. The idea was that an atom was the smallest you could go down to and that atoms were indivisible. Now we know today that atoms can be split, but the misnomer is still used. We still refer to atoms. So in 1897, there was a British physicist named J.J. Thompson, and he discovered that atoms contain subatomic particles, smaller particles with a negative electrical charge. And these came to be known as electrons. That was in 
1897. So it was discovered that atoms are not indivisible, but they're made up of these smaller particles, electrons. Then a bit later, in the 1900s, a New Zealand physicist named Ernest Rutherford proposed that atoms contained a tiny nucleus at the centre around which these electrons, these smaller particles, orbited, rather like planets around the sun. So now we've got this idea that an atom has a nucleus at the centre and you've got these smaller particles called electrons that are orbiting around the nucleus. But around 1919-1920, it was recognised that the nucleus itself at the centre, that actually contained particles as well. And these were particles with a positive electrical charge. So the electrons are orbiting the nucleus. They've got this negative electrical charge. And then the nucleus itself is made up of particles with positive electrical charges. These were named protons, but it didn't stop there. A few years later, in 1932, another British physicist named James Chadwick discovered that the nucleus also contained neutrons as well as protons. And neutrons are small particles again, but these are devoid of any electrical charge. So they're neutral. So by 1932, we had this picture of the atom being like a miniature solar system with a star-like nucleus made up of protons and neutrons about which planet-like electrons were orbiting. But 32 years later, in 1964, another couple of physicists proposed that the protons and the neutrons within the nucleus could be broken down even further. Enter the quark. It was discovered that protons and neutrons each have three quarks. So this poses the question, I guess, how much smaller can we go? Is there anything smaller than a quark? Well, for the time being, at least, no. Most physicists today believe that quarks and electrons are the smallest you can go. But the story doesn't end there. It turns out that quarks, protons, neutrons, electrons and atoms in general aren't as solid or even as real as they might at first seem. Let me introduce you to the idea of fields. To illustrate what a field is in physics terms, I'd like you to think of two magnets. Now, if you bring the same poles of the magnets together, they repel each other. You can't see it, but in between the two magnets, there is what we call a field at work. In this instance, it's an electromagnetic field. Think of a field a bit like a fluid. And like a fluid, fields 
although they're invisible, can experience waves. These fields with their waves are detectable with the right equipment, uh, whether it's a simple pair of magnets to demonstrate it or something a bit more complex. Now, Michael Faraday is credited with discovering electromagnetic induction on August the 29th, 1831. He discovered that when he passed a current through a coil, a momentary current was introduced in another coil. This was called mutual induction. So basically, if he moved a magnet through a coil or a loop of wire, an electric current flowed in and around that wire. And a needle at a distance uh, from the initial movement moved in another coil. The thing that was connecting the, the two coils, of course, over a distance was electromagnetic induction. So he demonstrated this at the Royal Institute and his audience were blown away. Seeing a needle move without being touched must have completely blown their minds. Uh, these days, we take things like this for granted. For example, we think nothing of picking up a mobile phone and calling someone on the other side of the world. The same principle of electromagnetic fields is at work when we do things like this. So fields were recognised way back in 1831. But it's only recently that fields with their inherent waves have been associated with particles. And that's where we introduce the idea of quantum physics. So what is quantum physics? Well, one definition is that quantum physics is the study of matter and energy at the most fundamental level. Quantum physics basically aims to uncover the properties and behaviours of the very building blocks of nature. We know now that reality is not made up of Lego blocks, that things are, are much, much smaller. But while many quantum experiments examine these very small objects, such as electrons and photons, quantum phenomena is all around us acting on every scale. Just as an example, when we think of light, light is made up of particles, which we call photons. Now, light or photons act both as a particle in one sense, but also they have wave properties and quantum physics is all about how you intend to look at something. It's, it's about different ways of looking at the same thing. So, for example, light photons. Quantum physics can think of photons in the sense of a particle, or they can also look at photons in the sense of it being a wave. Quantum fields is what we're, what we're being asked to think about here. There is a field known as an electron field. Again, think of it as a fluidic field with these waves. And when you think about waves, waves of the ocean, waves crash over each other when they're agitated. 
So if you think of these quantum fields, whether it's uh, photons uh, or electrons, they generate these waves and think of it as if the waves are crashing over each other when they're agitated and producing packets of energy. So, for example, an electron field, there will be a wave to an electron field. And when it's agitated, these waves produce packets of energy, which are the electrons. So electrons aren't really solid at all. They're actually just packets of energy arising from a, uh, an electron field. This is a very poor illustration, I think. But if you think of a bicycle wheel, it's largely empty. You've got the spokes in a bicycle wheel. But for the most part, there's not very much there. You can put your hand through the bicycle wheel. But as soon as you start spinning that bicycle wheel, it takes on a more solid appearance. Try putting your hand through a spinning bicycle wheel. You'll soon uh, realise that it feels very solid. And basically, that's what's happening when we think about these fields, these quantum fields that are producing waves that are crashing over each other. And that is is manifesting as particles. So basically, energy can manifest as something solid. And just as there is an electron field with its waves producing electrons, there's also a quark field producing the quarks that make up the protons and neutrons in the atom's nucleus. So we start to get this picture rather than reality being made up of lots of Lego blocks, solid things. We get this idea of reality actually being made up of a lot of waves pulsating through the universe and arising from these waves are the particles that seem so, so solid. And then these particles go on to make up the atoms and then molecules that make up everything else. But fundamentally, at the base, reality is nothing but invisible waves. So the next question is, how do these wave-induced particles, these electrons, quarks, protons, neutrons, etc., how do they actually come together to form atoms? Well, there are forces at work. Probably the most familiar force we know is gravity. Gravity is what attracts planets to stars and what keeps everything in orbit. On a quantum level, on an atomic level, there are forces at work. Now, we're not talking about gravity here. Within the nucleus of an atom, there is what we refer to as the strong nuclear force. That's what holds the nucleus of the atom together. But then the electrons that are drawn to the nucleus, that happens by means of another force that we refer to as the weak nuclear force. It's weaker in the sense that the electrons are able to orbit around the nucleus without being completely sucked in to the, uh, to the nucleus. So we have waves pulsating through the universe, these fields from which are arising particles. And then those particles are drawn together by 
these various forces to produce the atoms from which everything else is constructed. Apparently, there are many different fields, 12 to be uh, precise, that are known about at the moment. And there are several different forces. We've mentioned the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, gravity, and so on. There's four different forces. But some physicists are wondering, questioning, if in fact there is only one field and one force. Maybe it's the same field and the same force just looked at from a different perspective. I like that idea because it's in what is a fairly complex subject. It would be very simple and elegant if there was just one field and one force that was determining how the particles were to interact with each other. And of course, on my spiritual journey, that leads me to wonder if the underlying cause of these fields, these waves that are producing what we think of as reality, whether the underlying cause is actually consciousness, to be more precise, God consciousness, or what I prefer to think of as source or source consciousness. Could it be that there is a source consciousness that is literally thinking things into existence, producing quantum waves that crash over each other in some kind of grid arrangement with forces or laws that govern the coming together of the particles arising from these fields? One of my favourite quotes is from the Ashtavakra Gita. It reads, I am the infinite deep in whom all the worlds appear to rise beyond all form forever still, even so am I. I really love that quotation. It gives this idea of a quantum ocean, an infinite deep from which everything is arising And that would really match this idea that we have in quantum physics now, that particles are actually the result or they arise from these quantum fields or waves that run through the entire universe. This week, I retweeted um, an excellent tweet on Twitter by a user called I Know It's Weird. I'll just read some of this tweet to you and maybe you'll see why this resonated so much with the things that I've just been talking about. I know it's weird, wrote, many believe that God is a male human-like individual. Source is not human-like, but rather an enormous self-aware energy field or being that manifests our universe. Again, it comes back to this idea there that source is this underlying quantum energy field from which reality as we know it in our universe is manifested. The tweet continues, uh, source is not an individual that exists separate and apart from us. It is a collective being composed of us and all of creation as we are composed of its energy. Many of us on Earth believe Source to be a supervisory parental figure. That's definitely how religion presents it. That controls everything that happens within our daily lives. But in fact, Source extends 
outwards as bits of its own self-awareness in order to experience the universe it created and it gives us complete control over what we experience. We truly have free will. We believe that we are separate individuals whose actions have no consequences beyond our narrow view of lives. But the truth is we are all only one being, the source, and we are all connected as part of that being in the same way that all parts of a physical body are connected. Because of this, everything we do affects everyone else and the source itself. I think that's an excellent way of looking at it, that we actually arise from source and collectively we are source. We are the manifestation of this energy field, this consciousness that lies underneath everything. I'll carry on reading these tweets. It spans over about nine tweets, actually. We believe our thoughts are private and have no power unless acted upon. Unfortunately, for most of us, our thoughts are power. They manifest reality just by virtue of their formation. Not one single thought is private because the reality created by each one affects everyone else within the source. Uh, That's good. So certainly if source itself is a conscious energy field, thinking, producing reality purely from thinking, it would follow on a smaller level as individuals, we as conscious beings could also manifest reality ourselves, maybe not to the degree that source as a whole can, but it does make you wonder if we came together and concentrated our thoughts on one idea, whether that was love or peace, compassion, whether these ideas would become more real in the world. It does certainly seem on a an individual level that often what we think about is what we attract. So I've often wondered whether coming together as humans, pooling our consciousness, whether that could actually bring about some positive change in the world. This tweet continues on. Most of us believe we are human beings, that we are living in a human body and that this is our primary or only form of existence. In fact, we are only the soul part of the human being. We are actually powerful light beings, extensions of the source's self-awareness who are blended with human animals in a very temporary part of our eternal existence. That's very good again, referring to us as light beings I've already referred to how light is in itself is a photon or photons acting both as a particle and a wave. And uh, whenever you think of God, certainly in a um, biblical sense, God is described um, as the source of light and life. And this idea that that is basically our source, that we are spiritual Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, a French philosopher and Jesuit priest, he was quoted as saying, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Indeed, coming back to I Know It's Weird's tweet, part seven reads that we have an eternal existence. Again, totally agree with that. He says... Or she says, we believe most of what we experience as our personality arises from the human body. 
that it is a blend of hereditary and environment. Your total personality has been formed over aeons of lives as humans and other beings, as well as time spent in light being form between physical lives, that your soul, not this body, constitutes your true identity. Um, Yes, very much agree with that. Again, it is generally thought that consciousness or, or thought, conscious thought, by many believe that that is the result of a physical brain at work, that the brain actually produces conscious thoughts or consciousness. I don't actually believe that at all. I think consciousness is something beyond the human brain. I actually think that consciousness uses the human brain to interact with the human body, almost like a uh, steering wheel in a car. The consciousness is the driver controlling the the vehicle, the body, by means of the steering wheel or the brain. Take away the brain and the body, does consciousness continue to exist? I believe it does. It, It may not be measurable any longer in a physical human body, but as this Twitter user mentions, our personality has been formed over aeons of lives as humans and other beings. In other words, reincarnation, I think I think they're saying. And I tend to believe that, that at the end of our fragmented instance of consciousness as an individual, what Hinduism refers to as the Atman, in between these physical lives, we do actually return to source, to the, the greater whole, the Brahman, from which all things arise. And reincarnation certainly fits that pattern. This tweet continues that we fear death and its end of our physical existence, but the death of the human body actually releases us to awaken to our full light being state of expanded awareness, universal knowledge, wondrous talents and ecstasy in the light of sources, love. There's a credit at the end of the quote from Backwards by Nancy Dannison. So after all of that, I think possibly that tweet is, at least in part, if not in its entirety, is uh, quoting from that book. I've just looked it up, actually, on Amazon. It's called Backwards, Returning to Our Source for Answers. And I am definitely going to order that book. It's by an author known as Nancy Dannison. The review just says, uh, Backwards takes us beyond current thinking about who we really are, life, death and the afterlife, and brings forth universal truths Nancy Dannison learned after death interesting did nancy have a near-death experience it gives us exciting new perspectives on the nature of god humans souls and the universe backwards proposes a simple plan for accessing and using our innate spiritual powers of multiple levels of awareness consciously manifesting physical reality receiving downloads of information from universal knowledge using self-healing and more Topics in the book include who God is, who we really are, where heaven is, whether religion is important. I don't think it is. And how to awaken spiritual abilities. That's good. I like that because I'm on a uh, spiritual journey at the moment. So this is definitely going to be a book I read. 
It also says that the book covers what is and isn't unconditional love. Very good. Uh, with my cult, uh, ex-cult background, unconditional love is something I haven't experienced in the past, but now I do outside of a cult environment. The book talks about self-healing and how to manifest physical reality. Excellent. What happens after our bodies die and what is it like to live in heaven? So that's uh, backwards, returning to our source for answers, Nancy Dennison. And putting all of that together, I think what we've got there is this idea that reality is not as solid or physical as we think. There's actually something underneath it all, what I would like to call source, that is manifesting reality, manifesting these quantum fields which are producing waves and from there arises uh, all the particles that make up our physical existence. But underneath it all, we are basically spiritual beings that are very much connected to this greater whole, this source, call it God, if you will. So thank you for joining me again. Bye for now. Bye for now.